thank you for joining us, um, Fabula. Um, and thank you everyone for coming back to another Black Create Connect podcast episode where we speak to some of the most accomplished, okay, black entrepreneurs and leaders worldwide. And we're international national today because we have Fabula, that is from Paris. Yeah. Right. And you're based in London as well, so you're international. So for those that don't know, Flavilla um, Fongang, she is the founder of Three Colours Rule, which is a creative agency, award-winning as well, and also GTA um, for black women. So welcome. Thank you. Thank welcome, you for having welcome. me. No, no worries. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I feel like you're always busy. Yes, it does look like that. I do, I do, I'm precious of my time, but you know, that it is what it is. I think it's part of my character. I think, you know, people always say that, Flavila, would you ever slow down? I don't know if I would, but I think it's just something that I, this is already halfway through, we are already halfway through the year. I feel yeah. like I've, I feel happy with what I've accomplished. And there's still so much to accomplish before to make it a great year again, you know, for me and for my team. What, what have you accomplished so far that you can share with us? Well, what I can share, I think good for me, one of the top things I'm really happy is knowing that I'm going to be working on a project with United Nations, which is amazing, yes. Um, obviously, winning awards is always a bit of a cherry cake, but that doesn't give me the high. Mm. I think it's great to be recognized for what you do. Mm. Um, I think alongside that, you know, seeing my clients doing well, seeing my team doing well, that's something that I'm really happy about. I know at the same time, enjoying the traveling, I've been to great places and met some amazing people. I mean, it's just part of a lifestyle that I've always wanted to have, so... When it comes to making even life that you want to achieve, this is why I'm day by day trying to accomplish, which is nice. So you feel fulfilled. You feel like you're living yeah, your purpose. 100%, yes. Yeah, percent. Yeah. I think it's one thing that I always say to people: just take the time to appreciate and being grateful mm. for whether you are where you want to be or whether you are on your way to there. Mm. Appreciate the moment. There's always something else that we want to accomplish, but mm. in that moment, be grateful, feel fulfilled. Mm. Otherwise, you just be just sad. How long have you felt like that for? I think for a pretty long while, you know, a pretty long while, I think I probably feel like, you know, when I did something I did about a couple of years ago called the life, called the life book, which is brilliant, really shows you in terms of how you can be in control of every area of your life from love to money to career whatsoever. And it gives you really the tools and the thinking to think differently about what you want, what you want to accomplish with your life. I think mm. a lot of people feel that they are not in control this method of how they teach in terms of how you can run your life mm. you feel that you can be in control even about finding your partner to you know the money that you want to earn and so mm. much more and i think when you have clarity in terms of a pathway to get there it removes that stress and anxiety mm. about your journey and i think that's where fulfillment comes from mm. fulfillment doesn't necessarily come from having accomplished everything or your tick box exercise but more in terms of i'm no. confident about that journey and i know everything will be fine Talking of journeys, then, thank you for sharing that, by the way. No worries. I like to, with every single guest, go back to their start out in life because I feel like it provides context yeah. to where you are today and how you got to where you are today. So I'm completely open to guests going as far back as they feel comfortable. Some people start from when they were born. Some people start from when they were a teenager, from when they moved from one country to another. So take us back to when you were... I guess, the start of your journey, whenever that started for you. Mm. And you can touch on key individuals that you looked up to and influenced you 
at that time of your life, wherever you want to start. Gosh, if I start from really, really back, <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time to, to say everything, but I probably would start from a point where, you know, my life could have really turned around because, I, you know, despite that born in Paris, both think this beautiful, beautiful city, but there's a part that we don't see in movies is the ghetto. And I was part of, I, I grew up in the ghetto of Paris, which is a part where, you know, everybody, the troublemakers, the, you know, the immigrants, you know, mm. not all troublemakers, but all the immigrants and we're all trying to survive and make it for ourselves. And it's really hard because the system is not designed necessarily for, for us to make it. And, um, you know, we're living in the small, my mother and my brother and sisters, we live in a small apartment. We got a break when, you know, we got given a big apartment. Imagine like four kids, you know, and, you know, and adults, yes, and exactly living in a two bedroom apartment. It was very tight. And yes, so we moved to the 18 district. People understand Paris, we know what, what 18 district means, but it's a bit more central. Mm-hmm. And, um, at what, at what stage of your life did you move there? So you was... I was always born in Paris. Okay. Yes, I was born in Paris, but I moved there when I was 12 years old. Okay. Yes, yeah, so um, at that point, you know, I, I got transferred because I was, you know, you constantly in the same college. So I got transferred over, and that's when... I always remember this head teacher, and I mention it a lot because she really changed and had a massive impact on my life. But I was really bad at school. I didn't pay attention. I was fighting with boys. I used to be bullied when I was young, and I became the bully of a bully. And, you know, I fight my way back. And she looked at my grades, and all my grades were under the average, except for sports. I was really, somehow I was really good at basketball, despite the fact I'm very short for my, you know, for, for who I am. Mm. And she looked at me, and she gave me that strength and said, you know what, you can do better than this. And I think this is a moment when somebody injected this confidence from nowhere. And sometimes you need some, a stranger, because your parents might tell you, or your partner might tell you everything mm. that you need to hear, but when you hear from a stranger, it makes more sense. That's why I always advise, you know, some people some people need counseling, some people need some external support to give them that extra push. Mm. And, you know, I started working really hard. I started studying really, really hard and became really, really good. And even to the point where I became the head student and helping other kids and mm. so much more. Mm. So, yeah, so that's how my journey started, you know, from being the tomboy, fighting in school, expelled, to becoming the best in my class. I want to ask a question. Yeah, go on. Before you got to that point where the teacher mentioned to you that sh- that um, you can do better, yeah. Why do you think you were how you were? What what was what do you think influenced that behavior? Do you think it was your environment? Do you think it was lack of opportunities and seeing where you can go? Do you think it was your race? Do you think there was any factors, or did you just think it was just how you was? I think it's a mixture. I think I've always I come from a family of entrepreneur, but. When you, you know, when you grow up in certain areas, you feel a bit hopeless that there's no success for me. And if you mm. don't see it, you know, I always laugh about this. But the first time when I saw black people on TV, you know, except for music and sports, was when I came to the UK. You know, That's the, crazy. Yeah, imagine that you know, only see black people, you know, in music channels or sports. That's the only time you see them. Mm. So how can you inspire yourself that you're going to make it big? when you don't see your person. And this is why presentation is so important. Mm. Now, I'm probably I'm in a different mindset if I don't see that created. But most of the time, if people don't see it, then they don't believe that they can make it. Same thing. Yeah. You know? And that's why when I have conversations with companies, I say, if you're trying to hire, uh, you know, black women, you know, for my, my non-profit, make mm. sure you start from the top because yeah. if you start from the bottom, then they're not going to stay because, well, how can I inspire that? Exactly. If there's only one of us, one in a million who made it, mm. it's going to be extremely hard to make it to that position. Mm. So, yes, it was a mixture of everything. I guess, you know, you know, having a, 
a parent doesn't have time to give you the attention because there's so much you have to deal with. And, you know, this is how it's easy to turn, you know, around and having someone and being in the, again, thinking, being in the right setting where you get a new start, a new, you know, beginning, a new chance to, to, to do something for yourselves, yeah. give you that, you know, that, that opportunity to do better. So, yeah, so that's probably, yeah, a mixture. So what did you change in your behaviour? So you mentioned that you just started to study. Like one day you was bad, bad girl, bad girl. <laughs> Next minute you're, you're, you've turned around. Yeah, that, that, knowing child, that knowing kid who is always front sitting front row. I think, you know, it's, it's very strange to think that you can just turn around like so quickly. It's, mm. I had my, you know, we, you know, we had a bigger, bigger room. So it was me and my sister instead of, you know, all of us in the same room. So that was easy. So you could study. We had a desk. Mm. You know, the environment helped us get excited about actually working. So we never had a desk before. So, you know, and then, you know, the library was nearby as well. So all this element, he didn't give us an excuse to say, well, I can't, you know, you can't fail. We're giving, mm. you, a, a, we're giving you a desk. Do some work, you yeah. know. So having that was a plus of not having where, you know, before was, you know, you had just a bedroom to find That's a way. interesting. Yeah. That those, things, sm- those small little things make a difference to yeah. how a child's mind works and says, oh, okay, I can do this because I've got this. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. It sounds so stupid, isn't it? But if you no, but have that, you know, think about it, like you don't need a desk to study, but if you have something, your, your own space, that yeah. excites you. And this is why, you know, I always talk about people, you know, the way you make your home will either Makes break you or elevate you create an environment that inspire you if you don't have that you know nobody will cook good food in the dirty kitchen yeah you know are you excited about you know cooking because the environment give that something like you come to your office a creating environment that get people want to work and get excited you know so it's mm. okay your environment but also whatever tools that are given to you to make it there super mm. key but after mm. that you know you you know you you know you, it's it's that inspiration that you know you you have when while somebody believing in you somebody's giving you the tool to succeed then you can't disappoint those individuals you know? yeah so it's okay, i'm giving you a desk now so <laughs> so you felt like you actually yeah, had to study exactly. everything. Yeah, a desk now okay yeah i'm i ask you i know I, I, I put trust in you don't you know at first i was not doing it for myself i was doing doing it not to disappoint people who mm. put faith in me you know and then after that it just became you know, I think I can carry on going further with your help or without your help. That's a good starting point, though. I feel like if, like, that's a good point to say to someone, I believe in you, because then they feel like, okay, even if they start off doing it for you, they then might start to think, why is it that Alicia or Flavola believes in me? Like, what's the reason? And then they might start to see that for themselves over time. Mm. So that's actually a really good starting point. Yeah. When did you feel like you started to genuinely believe in yourself? At what point did you find? It depends um, what we're talking about because I think if um, I've always, you know, it's because I was small for my age, you know, I, and I was very shy and now I'm a bit of ambivalent. I'm comfortable by myself or without people. And um, I think that, I think the first moment when you start, it's a good question actually. I never actually thought about when I started really feeling confident of myself, but mm. I think my confidence started when I probably defeated my first bullet. You know, I've been realizing, wait a minute, nobody's gonna walk all over me. I won't mm. tolerate nonsense from anybody. Mm. And I realized, oh my gosh, they don't expect to, you know, to fight back. Mm. You know, don't expect to fight back. And when you fight back, they don't prepare for it. I think that's why confidence started. And um, I think also confidence starts when people give you chances, you know, push you forward, you know, like you go and speak and, you know, different, you know, it's it, confidence 
it's not it's such a big word mm. it depends of what you're talking about you know confidence you know speaking in front of a room confidence you know getting on stage confidence you know starting your own business mm. it's stages you know mm. it's not just one thing but one thing after the other you know you build it and it becomes uh, your armor and nobody can you know take you down so it's it's it it probably build up through stages of what i need to accomplish in my life at that time and, yeah. and i think i, I go, always good you know my mind is very is wide in a sense that what is the worst that can happen so i cannot do it <laughs> that's <laughs> what is the worst that can happen Except yeah getting a no you know or maybe losing a few pounds or whatsoever but uh, I, i like to take risk so i just kind of think you know just do it so talking of risk what made you move to the uk and what was that transition like for you it was never a plan Is thing it was completely yeah it was completely random i was never planning to move to the uk at, at, and i'm being super honest i was um finishing i was doing my second so the equivalent here is second degree second year of a degree and then at, in france when you reach your second year you choose you can go to business school you can go to university right and whatsoever so i applied different things i basically i spread my options oh. so i applied business schools i applied university And um, I remember I told you I'm, I'm was a head student, so I used to spend a lot of time at the principal office giving them suggestions in terms of what I can do to improve our situation. You know, I was saying I was that annoying child from both sides, from the teachers, you know, to make sure that they do their, right, their work right. And um, yeah, I was sitting here and, I, and he told me, you know, he asked me to wait outside and I was waiting outside this little A4 paper and I said, Erasmus program, you know, go study one year in London. So I said to myself, you know, against a thing. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. You know, what do I have to lose? Mm. I put myself forward, apply for it. And um, I was good, you know, I say I was good in all, all um, topics. But English was still my weakest, my weakest, um, my weakest, weakest topic. So they asked me, like, where do you want to go? Your English is rubbish. I say, ah. <laughs> And I said, that's exactly why I should go to England. So I always try to find a way to fight by, like, exactly, you should send somebody who needs to learn and, And I think I blagged myself to so many different situations. That was one of them. And it paid off because they only sent two students from the entire oh. institution. Yeah. And I was one of them. And you, and you didn't really speak English that well either. I didn't speak English. And I remember every time I when I opened that letter in front of my mom and say, and I thought for a minute, like, oh my gosh, you're going to go to London. And I was thinking about all the options that I had that was on top of my list. Thinking, you know, you apply, what do you have to lose? The chance of getting it is very tiny, small. Mm. And uh, my mom and I, and I remember she was watching the news. There was a point where some girls who, who ran in the park were getting killed. I said, "Oh my gosh, mom, I'm going to London." Say, "Are you not going?" Mom said, "You're not going. Are you mad?" I said, "Why?" I said, "Girls are getting c- killed in parks." I said, "Mom, have you ever seen me running?" <laughs> like, there's no way. Because you know, what kind of black people run outside in the dark? That's definitely not me. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So no, don't worry about me. I would not get caught like that. Mm. And yeah, and and uh, the idea was just to go for years. Again, what do I have to lose? I go mm. for a year. What uh, what I can gain is maybe learn, improve my English, and come back to to France. Mm. And um, and that that was awakening. I was like, wow, that's when my love for travel really started. I was like, wow, I'm in a different environment. I had a completely different change in my mindset. And you know, again, my brother told you, watch this ten, just thinking, wow, anybody can make it. You don't have to be young, blonde, beautiful, size ten. You can make it here. And I saw more black people in this position of power. I was like, oh, wow. I think as a black person, remember, this is why representation is so key. Mm. You see this thinking, wow, I can do it too because mm. it seems like I can do it, you know? And, and everything has been very a pillar for me. Do you remember any black influencer 
or any black person in particular in the media that you recall. So, like, growing up, for example, I remember um random example, my wife and kids or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Oprah was, like, a big, you know, person that I was like, yeah, she's a black influencer. Was there anyone that stood out to you? Americans don't really influence because it feels so far and so detached from Europe that you look at it, you know, uh, unless you're in America, then it wasn't really an influence to think that, you know... You know, I grew up watching R&B and, you know, you wake up, you know, oh. watch MTV, bass and whatsoever. That still didn't influence me in the sense that, wow, this is a reality that I can aspire to because it's such yeah. a very different culture, black yeah. culture. That's why people, when people talk about black culture, like, which one? <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's definitely several. Even you within the I mean? UK as well, there's so many. Exactly. Yeah. So which one are you talking about? Because American black culture... It's not, you know, it's cool and, you know, you can try to embrace that style, you know. It's very different. Hip-hop, you know. Yeah. My sister was very was a fan of Alia, so she was wearing, like, baggy clothes. That wasn't my style, but that was her style and oh. so forth. But it didn't really inspire me. I think it was great tips that Oprah always gave, which would apply when I was negotiating for s- my salary. Mm. But I think it became real when I came, wow, it's just next door, and they're doing better. Uh, you know, I think one person that really influenced me, but I can't remember his name, he was a journalist you know, uh, grey hair, I can't remember his name now. It's not Trevor, no, I see you have a, no, Trevor, no, it's not journalist anyway. But, uh, Trevor McDonald. Trevor McDonald, exactly. So this one really inspired me. Oh, wow. Not because I can, re- I can relate to him, but before that, wow, this is something by the age he was still on TV, thinking if he still can be on TV and, you know, and, and not, and not be amazing and great at what it does, means that there's hope for me. You know, this mm. is why it's so important. You know, people really, and the value of the importance of representation and, and diversity on TV, on screen, and behind mm. the camera, it's, it changes everything. Whatever you watch, Ariel, and it's a black girl with dreadlocks, it's a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a big yeah. difference. It makes a big difference. So when, so when you, so you here for a study abroad, yeah, mm. ended up staying unexpectedly. Mm. What, was, what did you do? What was your plan? It wasn't easy. I wouldn't say that, oh, wow, okay, that was the beginning and everything went perfectly because... Nobody told me the importance of having, uh, of doing an internship. <laughs> Actually, multiple internships. So I finished university and I had B in economics and law, I had a B in marketing communication, mm. and I had an MA in international business. I'm a bit of a study freak. I always love to study, even now I'm still learning new things. Mm. And I was expensive on paper, but useless because I had no experience. So what have you done? Nothing. Are you not going to give me a job? Yeah. And I um, ended up doing so many things, except stripper. <laughs> I was not <laughing laughs> better. But I did uh, translation. I was rubbish at it. I did, um, I worked at Debenhams. I did door-to-door sales. Door-to-door sales was hard, but it was a great. I learned a lot about body language and, you know, and, you know, non-verbal communication. That must have been and it's, it's challenging. It's 100% commission as well. No, so I... I know. You've done it? Because I've done it for two hours and I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I've done two, it for two weeks. Uh, two, you don't have two weeks and you yeah, quit. Yeah, two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks is t- the only reason I stopped because like, when I have my period, there's no way I'm going to go and knock at people's door to ask if I can change. I was like, I can't do that. That's not insane. You never know who you're going to get into, whose house you're going to get into. I met some amazing people, but also some very people said to me, like, if you don't leave, I'm going to put my dog on you. So I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. All sorts of people. And it was really hard. Sometimes you spend an entire day from 11 to come back at 11 o'clock and you have no sales. And sometimes you come back, you make 10, you know, 10 deals. So it was very um, like the stock market. Mm, <laughs> up and down, yeah. Up and down. So what kind of stability does that give you? It's okay to do that when you're young. I think what I love is that they have a very cult, cult, cult 
behavior in a sense that they try to keep you in every time because they knew that the the ratio of turnover of Britain was, was so high, high yeah. that they kept on trying to bring up people were staying longer trying to bring others mm. but as you say, it's supposed to be two hours. Like, bye. <laughs> no, that's no, li- literally someone yeah. swore at me, and I said, "I'm done." I was like, "I don't subscribe to this you. life." Yeah, yeah, I, and I said, "I don't subscribe to this life." So yeah, thank I'm you. Done. <laughs> like, I'm not working for anyone to swear at me, and I was, and I, and I was desperate as well. I think I just finished uni as well, just like yeah. keep figuring things out. So yeah. good for you for lasting thank two you. weeks. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, it was it was fun and it was also challenging, and then. I remember applying for this position for a companies, an event company specializing in oil and gas. At first, it didn't take me, and then a couple of couple of um, weeks later, they came back saying yeah, they wanted me. So my ego took over and said no, and I said like <laughs> my recruiter said like you're not in a position to to say no, darling. And uh, I said go for it, just go and see what happened. And I went, you know, very confident like okay, what salary are you gonna give me? And I negotiated as well. But even that was you know I had um, it was my first job, and I stayed with them for ended up staying there for eight years. Eight, yeah, eight years, yeah. The reason why I stay with them is because I love traveling, and they gave me that a lot. And also, you could progress really, really fast, which I did. So I started as a receptionist, and by the end of my eight years, I was running, you know, uh, the department. So that was good. That sounds amazing, Mm. but we we need to know the juice how because I I feel like that was that is not a typical scenario. Yeah. For anyone to enter a workplace as a receptionist and then end up running a department. Yeah. What were some of the things that you did to maneuver or some of the things that helped you, either or, to get to that position within eight years? Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I think first thing first is that I've, I think it's also character of me being an entrepreneur now is that I always, when I saw something that I was not right, I will fix it. I will find a way to do things better. So I was bringing a lot of innovation and they were like, wow, this girl is not just doing what she's being told. She's also saying, okay, I f- it doesn't make sense for us to use fax at the time, you know, fax or whatever it is, PDF and nonsense. It's like, who used fax in mm. 2000 and whatever it is? This is like, you know, this is the 21st century. What? Mm. And I was still in their old ways of doing things and I was like, it doesn't make sense to do this. And I was always curious to things to do things and use technology mm. to do to, to be smart, lazy. I was just realized that I don't want to do stupid things a lot of times, <laughs> Julia's like, doesn't matter. I'm not gonna do that anymore. And um, and that's one thing. First, is like I always, you know, bring out new ideas to mm. innovate and do things better. So that was one thing. And two, I looked in terms of was I need to be clear from my manager perspective in terms of what my career path could look like, what could expire. So and then they they needed to understand that I'm not here to stay in the same position. So I made that very clear. So I voiced out my desire to to go to not be there. And obviously, they knew that. I was highly qualified that that was not a path I'm going to stay very long. If you wanted me to keep it, you had to give me something else. Otherwise, I was out of, of the door. Question on that. Yeah. Because I, I really want listeners to pay attention to these notes. So being innovative, making sure you, vo- you vocalise it. How often and when did you vocalise these things? Because what I often find is that people that progress really quickly vocalise it in informal settings as well as formal settings as well so just to understand and clarify how you went about vocalising what you wanted how often was it what type of settings was it just to get clarity so one thing that I did very well is like when I did something really good I want sure everybody knew about it So when it was this That's group, really good. Yeah, very important. Like, when I did something really good, I'm sure everybody knew about it. Even if you know in my department, you You're remember I was behind that. That's one thing. As I, when it comes to self-promotion, I have no problem doing that. I think it's been the French who signed me. We have no problem bragging about our success. 
So that's typically it gets really you have a formal setting where you have your you know your monthly review, your appraisal every six months. Mm. So you use that as an opportunity to really be set the tone in terms of where you want to go. And again, you know, one thing that I say now that I've not I didn't do enough was and I, I always advise you know the young ones to do that is that you know don't spend your lunch break at your desk or speaking to your best friends every lunch break. You're missing an opportunity to speak to somebody from another department. Put seeds in someone's mind and let them know where you want to go. Because, you know, I started getting pissed off when I saw her. So-and-so has been promoted. It's like, what did even offer me? But maybe, you know, I wanted it as well. So I was like, I want this. You know, so when is a position, know that I want it. I want it. So when you voice it out to the right people, then make sure that they come to you to put yourself forward for this. And, um, and again, what I did is that I, I, I can't explain it. I skilled myself to be ready for my next role. So like, you know, so if I say deception is what will take me, what are the necessary skills I need to have to get into the next position of manager, mm. you know, and that was important for me. So if you want to get there, so well, you're not ready to get there. So, okay, so I need to put myself and get the right skills internally or externally or put, have the right position to say, I have the transferable skills to do this. Don't worry about me. I can mm. do it, you know. Mm. So it becomes a no-brainer. And again, like, mm. something when you negotiate salary, and this is where Oprah comes in because Oprah used to say, should never earn less than your age. If you're 21, don't earn less than 21k. You know, okay, that's different now, but you you see you see what I mean. And I think it's important to just um, go, you know, go to your manager in the same position that you know you know what you bring to the table. If you don't know, you can't negotiate. If you're able to do a report and say, oh, "This is what I've done so far. This is where I am. This is what I'm able to accomplish for the business," if you have no figures, then you. You know, nobody can see your value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. so important, not just oh, I'm great, and you know, self promote. Make sure people know, you know, internally in your group, inside the company, use those voices, you can hear it, and let mm. yeah, just just do it. That's such a big thing because I feel like so. There's this workshop that I, I deliver on um, women in leadership, and that's one of the biggest points that when I talk about it, women feel very uncomfortable doing it. Like a, a lot, a lot that I speak to, they say, "But I'm, am I not supposed to be humble? Am I supposed to?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, whatever. Yeah, but that's but that's a lot of the responses that I've got is, yeah. "But that's not humble." Or you know, um, what if it's uninvited? Or what if it comes across as bragging? And similar to you, I I say, if you don't talk about it, no one's gonna know. Mm. Like that's like that's a no brainer. But for those people that might be listening, thinking. I, that's not my personality. I'm a bit more introverted. Um, There's a way of doing it that doesn't sound like you're bragging. You know, you can say, yeah. like, you know, you know, I've, I've been working on this project to help the company. If it sounds from a good position, a place of of good intention, no self, just self promotion. Say, so for example, I know has everybody been struggling to achieve this. Da, 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 this is a new technology I implemented. Um, I will take you through this and show you how to use it. Oh, thank you so much. Da, 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 so there's a way of doing it. Doesn't sound like mm. you're bragging. You see what I mean? Like. Okay, I can see everybody's been struggling with this situation. This is what I've been working on right mm. now. From today, you're gonna be able to use that. You see, mm. it doesn't sound like I'm yeah, bragging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm looking like I am solving a problem. Right. But at the same time, I'm that it. person who took the initiative of doing it, and I'm presenting the solution to you. Because if I don't do it, somebody else will. So yeah, well, yeah. I like I like that. That's mm. very. I feel like you're probably really good at sales as well, and mm. and managing to convert business i feel like you are you know it's funny because this is where I, for a very long time people always think about sales as a dirty role and it's true some people just don't don't understand this mind connection in terms of how you sell 
um, to individuals, and and it's so so funny because I have one of my uh, one of my sales person in my team is like, I don't people don't respond to me. It's like, do I, lower your expectation, <laughs> lower your expectation completely. You know, people will ghost you, people will just you know dismiss you, people will pretend that they believe in your life in what you're trying to do, and, and you then, never hear back from them. And that's fine. Move on. Not everybody's for you, and you're not for everybody. And I think when you come for a sense of I'm trying to help you. I'm about to give you the biggest opportunity to be better where you are, and this is how you go for a place of I'm trying to help you. Then oh. you would tell us not everybody will get it, or nobody has a budget, mm. or it's not it might not be no, or might be not right now. Mm. It's able to recognize this, and obviously using the right tools to maintain the relationship. Mm. And I think we quite often think that oh, I'm going to talk to you, and you might buy for me. No, by the time people decide to come to you, they've been watching you for some time. They've been following you. They've been looking at what you do. Hundred percent. They wait. Yeah. yeah. It's like I want to make sure that you're the right person. Yeah. And that's why you have to keep on being present yeah. and consistency. It's what you say. Like, how do you do it? It's like we consistent. Hundred percent. Number one. It's not about being necessarily the best. It's like who is a consistent? Yeah. The total and the you know to think about the total and the sorry the total of the rabbit. You know that story, right? No, but oh wait, rabbit and turtle when they race. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Was it rabbit and turtle? Was it yeah. was it another? Animal? It's definitely total and rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, it's definitely that. Rabbit obviously is so arrogant and go fast and stop whatsoever. We called it in England. We called it the hair and the um. Turtle. Is that how you say? It? Yeah, the hair. That's what it was. Is that is that one? Anyway, but yeah, but yeah, we know what story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you see, like the, you know, the, oh, in my in my language, the turtle goes slow, but they continuously get to the point. Yeah, 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 exactly. Know, arrogance of da 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 and so forth, and that's why sometimes you hear people going for. Not saying that they have a rabid behavior, but it's burnout is that you push yourself so hard, your body can't follow. Mm. And be comfortable simple, like, I'm sorry, no. And that's why I say to people that if people don't say respond to it, maybe it's not the right time for them. Maybe I don't yeah, know. exactly. Exactly. It it takes a long time, especially I mean, I'm open, especially with DEI, right? Mm. There's it, it's a lot because that's what I focus on. It's a lot because you have conversations with companies, but it takes I've spoken to companies for about a year but one that company that I spoke to for a year that came back to me they're my longest serving client now mm. but it took a year to, mm. t- to get for them to pay me money yeah so my my question to you is um in regards to black young entrepreneurs and I'm going to get back to your journey in a second but black young entrepreneurs that are trying to build business and grow relationships and they keep getting no's or they keep getting ghosted and ignored how can how do you think they can best navigate that? Because sometimes you can internalize it and link it to, oh, is it because I'm a woman? Oh, is it because I'm black? Oh, is it because I don't speak yeah. like you? So how do you um, overcome potentially those things that can come into your mind? Yeah, I think you know one thing I would say is that never use the fact that you're a woman or a black person to stop you from where you want to be. And obviously, people will dismiss you because you know, of who you are. Mm. And that's their problem. That's something you can do about it. Mm. But I think it's so important. And I always say that to people that when I went into business, I wanted people to see me as an entrepreneur, not a woman, not a black person. And and some and often, it's not sometimes, often people underestimated me. And that's fine. I actually laugh about it because when they ha- heard me speak, they're like, oh, wow. Oh, you go to a room and think that you're going to make coffee and then you cannot speak. Mm. Okay. And you see my face like surprised. And for me, I like this as well because I'm helping change the narrative for a lot of black women. Like me, it's like, I, you know, if you see me, there's plenty of other like me. I'm not just one in a million. But I think what's important for the young ones is like the best thing that will, that will help you thrive is develop great soft skills. 
Yes, adaptability, people skills, negotiation skills. You know, the way and people will laugh about it is like you know, it's not about code switching. It's knowing where you are in the room. Mm. You know, I always say to you know, if you're young, you know, if you're young out there, have friends from different background. Don't mm. stick around people from the same because that's your safety. That's what I did when I came to to London. I didn't stay around French people because I I would have not been able to grow and be oh. uncomfortable to become that better person. So in my house, I had like a Indian girl, a Greek girl, a Chinese guy, a Korean girl. Imagine like the melting pot of culture and like mm. we do things differently. We're learning about one another. Like, oh, that's how I do in my country. That's how I do in my country. Mm. But if I want to have a French people, I'm speaking of the same language. How can I be? And then when I come out and I find myself in a different situation, I'm like, oh, I'm not comfortable. And then you can't speak, you can't do this whatsoever. Mm. And, peop- and you say, oh, people judge me mm. because you haven't learned to be able to be adaptable. And I think that's mm. probably one of the most important skills. The way you speak to your child, the way you speak to your best friend, not going to be the same language you're going to speak to someone who is the CEO of a big company. Mm. And adaptability and great communication skills is super, super key and knowing how to behave. You know, mm. it's so funny. It was one of, I had this girl I employed and again, something sometimes don't get comfortable because you're in front of a black person. I've seen that too many times. Like, yes, same. Like, yeah, like, Oh my you know, goodness. Like, don't get comfortable. Like, stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this girl, I remember, uh, she was doing an apprentice apprenticeship with me and she had, she came to the morning meeting with the, uh, you know, the, the yeah. I'm not going to laugh. I've been guilty of that in my younger years. <laughs> what, what did you say to her? I didn't say anything in front of everybody, but I said, like, come on, you know, it's not, you know, it's so, it's so, you know, it's okay. Sometimes, like, if it's Friday whatsoever, but if we have a meeting where we everybody's coming professional, so it doesn't like, you know, you have things that you don't do, you know, on a regular basis. For me, just, I just think that I need you to be professional or headscarf sitting on, you know, on the bed like that. After I'm thinking, come on now, that, that doesn't look right to me. Mm. I want people to maintain the same level of professionalism no whatever they are because if you let go you get too comfort- comfortable that's how you make mistakes and I don't want this to happen I don't want you to think that if you are in front of me you wouldn't do that if I was a white man she wouldn't do that if I was a white man <laughs> there's a thin line mm. that I want to explore with that mm. because my question as well I understand what the headscarf situation is mm. Who has defined professionalism? Where has that come from? Because I have a theory that I've said over and over time again that um, working cultures in the UK predominantly has been built by white culture and the way that we communicate, we interact and everything. So at what point do we then be authentic and not unprofessional, but what's the line for you in regards to being your authentic self, but also defining your own way of being professional, but not... Such a good question. I like this, you know, and... First thing I would say, like, you know, you wouldn't go wear a headscarf and go to your best friend's birthday party. True. So, therefore, you know, it's not professional. Or, that's why it's not glam. Or, therefore, Appropriate. you wouldn't wear yeah. it and go to an interview. So, you, you know, straight away, it's not professional. It's a relaxed setting. Got you. you know, and people, you know, I've been, you know, I've interviewed people where people come in t shirt and thinking, come on. In my head, I'm thinking, I can't, if you think that it's okay to do your first interview dressed like that, I can't put you in front of Accenture. I can't put you in front of Apple. Is it in your mind? But I would, I would tell you, I would tell people, this is the reason why, not just because of that, all the things, not just because of that. And sometimes I've heard somebody say, like, next time, make an effort, because that's, I'm judging you, it's not because we're on a Zoom call. 
that is not happening. If I think that you have a talent, I will put you correct, but it's still you know, to bring your child. But oh. if that and that had a, I'm sure I'm definitely not hiring you. But yeah, so it's true, like the definition of what professional or even for COVID have changed. Well, we were okay to accept, you know, if you were doing a meeting. I remember I was speaking to Meta and big brands in my teenager bedroom when I was, you know, you know, I was in, in Paris. Nobody cared because it was COVID and, you know, like we, we need to find a way to stay connected. And I think that a lot of things have been more tolerated than it was before when it comes to women's hair, black women's hair. You know, what defines is Afro-professional? Of course it's professional. Mm. You know, it's, again, something it comes back to adaptability and what you define and what company culture you're in. You know, you get into a company, understand what the culture, if the culture fit doesn't work for you, then it's not for you. You know, if you work in, you know, and again, are they happy or okay to change? Maybe not, not every company is there. You also have to recognize that. Mm. If there are people who say, okay, yes, from the top, yeah, we feel that we need to be more concerned if we want to attract a diverse audience. We need to review what we define as, you know, what is part of the culture. Mm. If it's a company where, you know, lawyers, you know, they yeah, might that's, not accept that's, it. That's, and to be honest with you, I guess you, you have to know what companies are like because I personally wouldn't work with um, lawyers, investment banking. Exactly. Like, you know, I wouldn't personally because yeah. I'm too... I am too free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm way too yeah. free. Just just in my I'm just too relaxed as a character and I've realised I remember I went for an interview at London Stock Exchange and immediately I said, Yeah, this place isn't for me. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, I went to a I went to a black I'm gonna know the same name of a company but a very big firm mm. and it was a black in finance. They all wear blue suits. Blue? All wear blue suits. Majority was blue suits. And they all conform because that's the nature of the of the company. That's the nature of the industry. So you have to understand where you know where where you operate. You know, mm. in the art space, do you, babe? Yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah. Nothing great. Trousers, pants on your trousers. This art, yeah, yeah. You know, if you go into even like fashion, we be, might also yeah. be super judgmental about oh, you're wearing last season, darling. What's yeah, going on? Yeah. You know, all sorts of things can be. So people will judge you. So try to put the best cards on, you know, get your best card when the world is against you. Yeah. So you don't have to deal with extra things. Do you see what I mean? Then yeah. when you're in, you can... That's what I say, like, if you're not inside the house... You can't make any changes. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember I was speaking to my clients. She was, um, you know, she was doing some work with the NHS and they were doing so many... You know, she was making some very... I wouldn't say, say offensive comments, but things that... And she comes like, I don't know what to say. It's like, you know what? Keep it. Keep it. Zip it. Yes, it's only when you're in that you can put them correct. Until you sign that contract, respond to their questions in the most education, you know, and you know, the question of a very, you know, in some form of way mm. offensive. But pretend that you don't see the offense right now, just respond, you know, with your most common sense and politeness. But when you're in, you can readdress this. But until you're in, you can't do that. So understand your position before you start fighting and whatsoever. And I think this is so, so, so important. That's such a good point to make because. Again, like I'm, when, when you're saying understanding your position, I'm, I'm thinking back to little old me when like, when I was way more junior in my positions and I had a mouth. Mm. I, yeah, I, 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 I remember, What does that serve you, huh? I, <laughs> <laughs> I had a mouth. I remember I got fired on the spot one time. This I was working in a restaurant. Cussed out my manager. Because everyone hated her because she was horrible. She was and she was a black woman as well. And I was, I was like, why are you so mean? So I just cussed, I cussed her out. And then I came home like not too long after. My dad said, my dad's Jamaican, he was like, You're back early. I was like, <laughs> I was like Yeah, I got fired. <laughs> I got fired. 
And he was like, because he used to warn me growing up saying, you see your mouth? You have to know when to speak and when yeah. not to speak. And I never felt I was always like, no, I need to be the one to speak. But you're right. There are there is a time and place and there is a, a way to mm. understand your position. Even when you're in as well, do you find that you need to build relationships with people more before you even say certain things? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think even when you're in, like, you know, always it's easier to make changes when you become very important to people. Mm. They can get rid of you, they probably not listen, but they realize, oh, I don't want to lose that person. Yeah. This is where you can have, you know, have that power. And that's why I say to, every time I speak to black women, I say, like, understand your power. You yeah. know, when you are one in a million that they don't want to lose you, you can use that, you know, to open the door as well to other individuals, other initiatives, and, you know, get them sponsored and whatsoever. And a lot, you know, this is what GG Black Women Take is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, because those women have used their power to help me to help the vision I'm trying to do, which is the community and so much more. But again, you know, allies, I'm not going to say that it's all black women because allies as well, I'll be part of that success. But I think it's recognizing who's on your side, who can be in the room that you don't have access to. So for example, yeah. I remember I had, um, had this, this sales guy, blonde, blue eyes, and me, black girls, so like, we have two types of power. You have your femininity and I have my masculinity and what I bring. So I can go to those cigar room and talk about this and you can go to the other room and use your charm and whatsoever, what makes you woman and also a leader in your oh. space. And I think it's about recognizing that. It's not about, oh, I'm against you. And it's, you know, I hate this fight against women, against... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's silly. It's not about yeah. that. It's about how we're using both of our power yeah. to get to where we want to be together instead oh. of, you know, uh, uh, it's always that fight. And I think it's, this is why I, I say all the time, it's like, what is your power? When you know your power, and you understand you become so important to the business, then you can start conversations about change and so forth. I remember I was talking to young girls. So I want to do this. Like, when did you join? I said, six weeks ago. I said, girl, focus on... In your business or just in general? No, no, in another business. She, for, she wanted to speak to me. and said, like, can you give me some advice? I said, I love what you do. I want to do the same thing in the business. Like, girl, at the moment, it's about your career. Yes? You can't save everybody until you put your jacket on first. Mm. So save yourself. Then when you're in a position where you are stability then look at some something else. Mm. Otherwise, you're just going to go for burnout and God knows what. And, mm. and people are going to ask so much out of you. You want money, but accomplish your goals first. When you accomplish your goals, you smash it. You can say, hey, okay, now, okay, cool. People will see I'm doing good and I'm a great asset to the business. Mm. Now I want you to in, to invest in this. Yeah. This is how you play with cards. Yeah. This is so strategic. Yeah. So that's that's a really, really good point as well because, again, I feel like people can request things prematurely, not knowing when the right time is to, you know, request certain things in their career. But you're right, making sure that you have the value, the irreplaceable value is important. In regards to your career, right, so you um, obviously run two of your own businesses. Yeah. You brand advisor for BBC, and, you know, you're award-winning left, right, and centre. <laughs> <laughs> like, speak, counting. speaking left, right, and centre. Like, you do so much, yeah. right? Mm. So I just, I would love to understand how did you get to that point? So from when you, you were eight years with that organisation, yeah. what happened after that? And how did you, did you transition into being a founder? Yes, yeah, so eight years, so I've always loved, just to give you a bit of a background, some remember I had to come from a different small bag, a poor background, so we're not blessed to have like loads of, of clothes and choices of things to wear. Mm. So one year, every year, we get one pair of trainers, you better look after it, that's all you have. One yeah, year. Yeah, one pair of trainers, one pair of trainers per year. And so my sister and I were similar age, so one year, my sister is one year older than me, and mm. we have the same like, so she's, she's a lighter skin version of me, so we have the same laugh, same 
everything. Yeah, so funny. And uh, so we used to swap clothes. So it was a way of, you know, having a bigger wardrobe. Oh. Or we were going to get some vintage stuff. Mom used to love buy vintage stuff, which was also great. So oh. wear some things. And we learned to be very creative as well with our clothes. And for me, fashion was always a way to build a personal brand. I didn't really know there was a word, but it was a way of, where you present yourself, I see that I always saw that people will behave differently. Mm. You know, if I wear tracks and bottom when I go to Asda or whatever it is, I don't get the same behavior when I'm in my stilettos whatsoever. So I've used that as well to open doors and get into rooms where people are not going to because you know you look it good. Makes a difference. Let's though, be honest, yeah. like when you good looking woman, men want you around as well. So mm. use that, you know, obviously femininity, I've used that to my advantage to get to a lot of places. Not opening my legs, I think it's super important. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. it's but utilizing is like mm, okay, so, cool. You do you know what? Mm. You're right. Yeah. Because even when I well, like, when I was in um, in Cannes, I noticed that the days that I used to dress up, I had more conversations, and the days that I dressed down, I had less. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but and I'm thinking about it now because people were stopping and be like, "Oh, you look nice." Yeah. Even women. Even women. Yeah. yeah both sides. I said to people, like, wear colors. This gives people yeah. an excuse to come and speak to you. I'm wearing black today, but I have red lipstick. But wear colors. It's so, you know, that's why one of the businesses is called Free Colors Rule. Because power is, colors is a, is, a, is a powerful conversation starter. Especially if you dress Ow. nice, give an excuse. You never know. And it's a yeah. very powerful woman. Even, you know, yesterday I was at, uh, you know, at Wimbledon Tennis Club. I made some good conversation because people, you know, you look good. People will start a conversation. You know, that's all it takes just for that. But so, yeah, so when I finally decided to quit my full time job, I didn't do it like that. So I started transitioning into it by being a fashion consultant on the side. So I was doing fashion consultancy on the weekend. So I was setting the water. Mm. So I was also saving some money Mm. to make sure I had six months backup to, in case things, you know, it's it's risky to go and Mm. quit a well paid job to sell on your own, you know. And so, yes, I started doing it, started building my clients whatsoever. And then I said, yeah, I'm good. I'm quit now. So I had enough, you know, baseline to know that I was good. I tested them, you know, tested my product, my services. And I could see it working. And I had a couple of deals with a couple of um, um, companies to do work, to do some work with me. And that's why I was like, I'm, I'm off. Bye. See you later. And it was great for a while, but I realized that <laughs> if I stop working, I'm not making money. So I don't know anybody yeah because you have to continue. absolutely and i guess i did being a bit resentful of people i was working with because i was saying people were spending like 500 pounds on a scarf thinking there's so many ways of me spending my time no offense people are fashion stylists is great but for me it was just something else that it was time for move on and and i'm in my third career so i'm changing i always change i was good for you with them you know my name flavor the butterfly so i'm consciously evolving mm. so yes i um my ex-partner was um <laughs> so half, oh, interesting. Yeah, so half Nigerian, half Scottish, and um, it was so funny because uh, I remember looking at his website. I was like, "Why do you have a boil on your website?" But it's when you first met him, yeah, no. So no one first met him. We talked. didn't talk about business and so forth. So we got into relationship whatsoever. But you know, as I get to know him, I was like, let me look at your website. And look at his website. Like, what do you have a boiler on your website? Like, oh, that's what I do. I say that's what you do, but that's not what you sell. It's like, what do I sell? And say you serve a pleasure of being at home. You serve a pleasure of a hot shower. Mm. That's what you sell. You sell the security of not having to deal with a dodgy plumber. Mm. That's what you sell. You know, mm. you sell good service, reliable, not plumbing. Click, click, click. That's making. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you understand the experience, it's 
it's just a difference between having a business and having a brand. And if brand is an experience, what's that experience look like? Why we would pay? You know, do you remember that bottle of water, Volve? I can't remember what it's called now. Volve? Yeah, yeah no, no, that glass bottle was so expensive. You must have seen it. It's like this bottle that comes in a glass. Uh, water. Yeah, water. It's so expensive. It's called Vos, Vos, something <coughs> like that. And we sell it for so much more, but it's exactly any water people pay just because of how, how it's it made and how, with the story they told and whatsoever. And oh. people buy into this. And, you know, again, something, fashion styling was something that I self-taught myself, so I read books. And again, branding and oh. something that I self-taught myself. So I didn't go back into getting a degree whatsoever. I just, I'm going to self-learn and have enough common sense to pick it out when it's wrong and right, you know, and so forth. And that's how I always started. And people coming to my house, doing some, you know, and I used my living room as the desk because I couldn't afford a, an office. And that's how it all started. So really keeping my overhead as low that's as possible. possible until I knew I had enough recurring revenue and boom, office. And that's the way that you get it started. You make another stage and, and so forth and so on. And then I wasn't, I was a bit of a jack of all trade in the sense that I was doing working in the fashion industry, working in oil and gas. So obviously when you come on a website, like, what do they do? And obviously people want to know that when they come to you, you look after them specifically. You are for them. And um, and that's when um, I I was on Twitter and I saw the story of this little black girl, teenager girl who created this technology app that allowed, not an app, so I can't remember what it was, but it was a tech, tech product that allowed kids to find their way back home. You know, some kids travel miles to go to schools like ours and some of them get lost to go back, you know, to go back to their home. And she created this tool to really help them. So, oh, that's the type of people I want to work with. You know, people who are game changers, change makers. And then the rest was history and I chose technology. And that's when I realized getting to take again, oh my God. Because I should say that when I was in event, I was in oil and gas. It was oil and gas event we used to work. So I was comfortable being outnumbered by men. Because I think like, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't have no interest in oil and gas. So I understand why. But you stayed there for eight years. Yeah, there, yes, yeah. I stayed there for the travel. Remember, so the travel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You traveled quite a lot. That's I why. travel so many places, which I enjoy from South America, Asia, Middle East, Africa, of course. So the travel wave, you know, it was that's what kept me excited, mm. and obviously learning about different cultures. So mm. I love that. Yes, I went into technology. And I was no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not going to do this business of non-diversity whatsoever, and that's how. I created Black Women in Tech, who became then Global Tech Advocate, Black Women in Tech, mm. its own non-profit organization, who is now scaling across Europe. I mean, we have people everywhere, which is super exciting. But yeah, it's been insane. So with Black Women in Tech, what does it aim? What's the main mission today? Yeah. So I know that's probably evolved over time, but yeah. today, project going forward, what's your the main vision? The vision hasn't changed. The vision is to, is, is to support Black women, you know, thrive into technology and normalize Black excellence especially for in the female industry, while supporting technology companies attract those talents. And I think is that a lot of them have normalized, oh, there's not enough black female talent. I said, well, it's kind of a lie. I have like over 20,000 people in this network, which is a testament. And I feel like I'm at the beginning, which is super key. So it's about that, you know, we found our sweet spot, which is brilliant. But at the same time, realize that um, a lot of tech companies out there were struggling to attract this talent. You know, let me tell you something. It's not because you are... I don't know, B&Q, that you're a well-known company that, that, uh, you know, that a black woman will apply. I think the problem is that when you yeah. get so many no's, at some point you start putting yourself forward, like, oh, they're never going to take me. Yeah. Like, Apple's going to hire me? Forget that, I'm not yeah, going to apply. Yeah, I'm not saying that's yeah. a mindset for everybody, mm. 
But that's why it's important to do those collaborations and, and, and being able to say, wow, if a Apple is working with them, they are looking for me. So I can put myself forward and succeed, you know? And this is where it worked. And I think beyond that, what people don't realize is that behind the non-profit is still a creative agency with the engine. Yeah. So that's why we're able to bring out the creativity and we create books and, you know, you know, we're doing some things that no other organization are doing out there, which is amazing, so... Yeah. What's what's been some of your the biggest impactful things that you've achieved so far with with running that like the book I think yeah. I think book getting the books the you know so we produce every year now so we on our third year have a Voices in a Shadow a book that tells the stories of Black women in tech and we distribute to schools for free and now we're doing libraries this year and then this year we have in eighteen nations with us so it's amazing to know that such a big organization trusts you know, ideas and want to align themselves with us, which is, you know, it's fantastic. I'm still waiting for my number 10 invitation. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what I imagine do it. But, you know, at least, you know, you know, whether I get recognition or not, for me, yeah. it's that impact that is more key. That's why I say, like, if awards doesn't make me, oh my gosh, I feel like, you know, it's like, you know, I love when I, when I see people crying on stage and I'm like, for me, I just use that an opportunity to sell something else. <laughs> You know, no, it is, it's a brilliant opportunity just to add on. Like, yes, like, ah, thank you so much. By the way, I'm doing something else. <laughs> just so you're aware, check out the website. <laughs> I'm such a salesperson. But yes, so, um, but yes, so I think that's one thing that really matters to me, knowing that I didn't grow, grow up with those representation. I want, I don't want to give the same expense to those kids so they can grow up and see, and you know, young girls, but not just young black girls, but any kids who grow up and, you know, this Tom, you know, who's five years old, grow up mm. and become like the next CEO when he, you know, maybe read this book and say, oh, wow, I know that I can also find that talent. I guess you t- I saw I read this book when I was young and I, when I think mm. about diversity, it's become my priority from the start. So do you target a particular, um, I, don't, I guess, I know you said you're op- that everyone should have access to it, but do you target particular schools? Like, no, do you- I tend to target like school where there's the most obviously black kids. That's why okay. I'm so excited in Croydon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm from Croydon, so yeah, yeah, like <laughs> certain areas were very strategic about the areas where we focus instead of going just private schools. We went to the areas where we know there's a, a highest number of black kids. Yes, so I was the, the areas where, and it's across the UK, not just London. So that's what we did first. And obviously, as well, sponsors come in on board. They can choose their school. And obviously, there's always an attachment because we've been organizations. They have black networks. So we give them a chance as well to, to pick that. So very targeting the ones that I need to be the book the most. Um, that's key. So we're doing UK and Ireland distribution and, and digital version everywhere. And that's um, you know, it's important for me to do that. So being intentional. Because if I give a, kids to, a book to kids in a private school, you know, somewhere in Wimbledon, because yeah. there's no black kids there. Yeah. But yeah, I know it's most needed. It's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. Because you're doing this as well mm. as doing so many other things as well. Do you have a big team for your not-for-profit? Do you know, it's funny. Like, we're not a big team. So it's only now that I've hired two, three more people this year. But we were just one. So obviously the agency was giving some of their time, you know, you know, voluntary time to do this. But it's only now. I'm very lean. In the sense that I don't need to have a big team to do things. I think we get some consistency and and great um, process help us know exactly what we're doing very effectively. And this is what is key in the way mm. I run my business because mm. I don't like big overheads. <laughs> no, for, but but you know what? Mm. This is a common thing that I've had in a lot of conversations, like podcasts recently, is that we can run efficiently with a small team and mm. do what needs to be done. Because sometimes I've noticed. I won't say no, any company names, but people that work for some big companies, 
they be lounging around for most of the day because mm. their company is so big. Yeah. They they can get away with doing nothing. They can get away, yeah. yeah. There's always something to do in that company. Always. To do. And the good thing about about working with small businesses, not just the fact that you have diversity, but also is for us, we're always changing. So it's always something, it's something exciting happening mm. you know, within the business. And also the nature of the client that we work with, they're also different. They're in tech, but very different. So it's... Uh, you know, you don't have time to get bored and think, okay, I'm going to do the same thing again and again. Mm-hmm. Dying, so it keeps you on your toe to be like, okay, something else again. What, what are we going to do next? Do you, are you quite of a, um, a visible leader or do you like have a team that do like the day-to-day management? What type of leader are you? I feel like I can guess what type of leader you are, but... Mm, I don't like micromanagement. So it pisses me off when people... <laughs> I get someone just like, don't like micromanage you. <laughs> So, so yeah. you, you like people to, I feel like you like to be managed up, like people to come and correct. update you. And correct, you. correct. I like that. Yeah. Some of my ears, Nick gets me like, Fabula, I want you to do this. Like, okay, Fabula, can you give me this? <laughs> like, and he knows that, like, Fabula, it's something that you need to give me. Fabula, you, like, you know, like being here is like, it's him. It's like, you need to go there and whatsoever. Or sometimes, or sometimes we pick it up. So, sometimes, yeah. you know, we match one another. Yeah. And he remind me, because like, what's going on and same thing with teams like I don't like to be chasing people so yes that people know that there's three things that are very strong is like ownership yeah innovation and creativity mm. and team spirit because when we fail it's us it's never like oh Sandra sorry it's Sandra's fault I would never send an email like that so yeah. I'm sorry we're gonna we. fix it yeah if we win it's like, yeah we did this even when I win an award it's like it's my team yeah it's not just me if you see me winning whatever role model every year it's not me doing all of that by myself. Yeah, yeah. I think I want to recognize that to people. It's like, it's impossible. You have to let go and recognize where your time is best spent. You know, yeah. like, understand the value of your hour and only focus on the high-value task. The rest, delegate as much as you can, you know. And this is why I mean, booking call, booking meetings, whatsoever. I don't touch this. All this online booking system, sort it out. It takes too much time. It doesn't make sense. Why can't be just be me? Sales conversation, whatever it is, speaking, speaking engagement. Not speaking engagement is my sweet spot. You know, it's the easiest way. And I always say that this is why you need to be visible. Speaking engagement is the easiest way for anybody to, to make Get good money. Do you, but do, you, do you charge for your, all your speaking engagements or does that lead to business? How does that work? Uh, if it's a commercial, in, yes. If it's like a, anything... Non-profit, give it back. So if I do things to give it back to black community, usually I don't charge. Okay. To be honest, I don't think I've ever charged. Mm. So like founder vine, different things that I've talked about, I talked mm. to, I wouldn't charge. Because mm. also, you know, we it's a community where I'm speaking at your talk, you're going to speak at mine. Mm. So, you know, we, we you know, it's... We, we, we share each we other. share each other. Exactly, that's exactly. what we like. <laughs> Fantastic. The next panel we'll take event. <laughs> I feel like, don't ignore my call, you know, because I'm... <laughs> No, if Barclays hire me, that's a different conversation. It's different, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. But yes, yeah, so I, I try to obviously give as much as I can. Obviously, mm. I have to limit. So, for example, September, October is my busiest speaking in months. So I can't give lots of free time. You know, maybe oh. one or two. So I have to limit because between judging and da, 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 and so forth. So I have to pay attention. So again, something learning to say no. Say I will say no, but I will say not this year. But if you come to me earlier, then I can book you in. I do this one because universities say, Oh, we want you to speak. And then when they know we spoke at this university, they come and I don't know how they find you. They're like, Oh, come and speak at my university. And I'm like, Okay, wait, you know what? You have to give me a minute right there because I can't do this. Yeah. Do you charge universities or no? No, I don't charge universities. Okay. I, I, 
if it's like the university who's inviting me, so it's different. Okay. But if it's like a student union, that's that's inviting you. Yeah. Okay, that that's noted then for for future. <laughs> don't look <laughs> at me. <laughs> no, 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 not no, not for you because I've been asked and I don't like when I get advice from people about speaking. Um, some people say you know charge for every single thing. Some people say no, just charge. And I feel bad for charging students yeah. because when I was doing ACS in. I don't have no money. We don't have no money. We're students. Yeah. You know, and the university's not giving us a lot of money either. So, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, I guess it's up to you. Some people, yeah, I know people say, like, I, I charge for everything. And it's really their choices. Yeah. yeah. It's certain things that it's part of my also giving back to yeah. the younger generation. Like, if nobody go, who's going to inspire them? Exactly. I think it's important for me that I, I look at it more from this way. Not everything has to be attached to money. Exactly. Some 100%. Of the things are worth more than the money. And 100%. things that I spoke for free, then out of that, I was able to secure a deal with Amazon. Yeah, yeah. So you have to see sometimes what's a bigger picture and yeah. what this door will open. Or maybe uh, I'm just giving a talk in front of 10,000 people. Yeah. The, the quality of the, of the material that they give me afterwards was worth more than having to pay for it. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to think in terms of how can you balance it out? Okay, so I'm not speaking, but what can you do? You can still negotiate something else. You know, yeah. what doors can you open? Can you introduce me to this? Can you do that? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? So that's how you can play. Yes. Okay, I'm not speaking, but... Can you promote my book? Can you do this? Can you put me in a newsletter? Yes. Always ask for some form something of feedback. Something else. When you can. For universities, if I give it back, I'm just giving back. And that's yeah. It. yeah. But also, I feel like with that, it's, you're just investing into the students and that's, and that's it. Yeah. So, and that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. It, and again, something you never know what they become after. So I exactly. heard you speak three years ago. Now I'm working for blah, blah, blah. Can we come and speak? And that happens. No, it does. Mm. The, for the, the, the way the circle of like life goes, I've just reminded myself over and over again, just just, just be cool. Just be nice. Mm. Not just to get something back, but it's just easier because life be, is rotating yeah. very, very quickly. quickly. Think people come back around very yeah. quickly. You get what you give back to the world. I was saying like, if you go for only taking you're not gonna get much yeah 100 percent. if you go and you know you provide value you, you know you share you do that and so much more the world will give it to you and i think people don't stand that you know yeah whenever it's showing a post you never know who's watching yeah like, oh i've been following your content i feel so inspired you know at some point this person's gonna go somewhere else and that's that's people what you don't get that you know oh. don't be selfish yeah your, your content yeah even if you share all your content people are hiring you exactly they can, they can literally just look at you know i did a, i did a branding course for linkedin people can go and take this course they still want to work with me because like, i want you to do it for me i just did your course yeah. i like it but yeah. i want you to come and do it for me yeah you know so that's what's important so a couple of questions on branding and also your speaking engagements as well yeah there must have been a first time the first time you spoke hmm. if, if you remember when that was the, that the first ever time that he was asked to speak Oh, it's a while ago. To be honest, I try, I try to remember because there's probably a confusion between me speaking for the nature of presenting my business. And uh, trying to think. Ah, I can't, I if, okay, if you don't remember, remember okay, yeah. do you remember the feeling? I think fear. <laughs> okay, how did you get over that? Because um, <laughs> I've actually got my first 
in person talk next week and I'm I'm nervous. Yeah. So 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 what so what tips practice practice share? I think one thing to say is like practice practice so you don't even have to think so you can do your presentation eye close. You know when people say that when you do a TED talk they ask you to revise 100 times your presentation. Really? Yeah, 100 times. I'm not saying that you have to do it 100 times, but I'm saying that if you practice then you don't have to think about it. I think the first time I did it um yeah, it wasn't perfect and I was fine. It was just about getting over the line. I think it's about remembering that, you know, you, nothing that you do first time is perfect. It's best. like when you learn how to drive, mm. you know, learn mistakes, you know, and so forth. But I think one thing I've learned about when I'm on stage now is that, you know, there's always a little feeling ticklish that you get at the beginning. When you recognize that feeling, close your eyes for a minute or just do a very strong, something that I do and works really well for me, my work for other people. I do power of visualization. So I see myself, a future virtue of myself, on stage before I get on stage delivering successfully. So it calms my nerves and it helps me control it. I think it's important as well is that in utilizing engagement the best way you can. So as soon as you come on stage, people love to know who you are. Try to do, do say something personal. Say, hey, yeah. I'm bad. Before I start my presentation, can I tell you something personal? People say, okay, cool. You engage. Then you tell something about your story, where you are, how you got here, blah, 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 and how it relates to what you're going to talk about. If you're able to do that, that's a good way to break the ice and you can see. Because when you're talking in front of people who are relaxed, it helps you as well. But if you're like, like I, you know, my arms closed and looking at you like you're a monster, mm. you know, that's happened. You know, my, the last talk that I gave was in Israel. And I wasn't too sure what to expect, you know. It's the first time I'm going to Tel Aviv. You know, you heard so many things about what Israel is about. You yeah. know, media are always great at making things worse than they are. So, yeah, so when it comes to speaking engagement... I think it's, yeah, preparation helps, first of all, calm the nerves, so pre- repeat the presentation as much as you can. Try as much to engage with the, the audience so you can give as well space for you to breathe so you don't feel like you are talking on your own. I think I love that. I'm very much, I said from the start, when I start my speaking engagement, I said like, this is a two-way street. I don't talk on my own. Mm. You're going to have to participate and, and I make a deal with them. Are you, are you okay with that? Okay, cool. And they know that they're going to have to engage with me because that's well, how I do yeah. my thing, yeah. It's so just like a monologue. Yeah, so no, boring. no, no one wants that. We need some type of. I'm exactly. very unserious, it's not unserious, but I can't be too serious. Yeah, light. Know? Yeah, yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's too much. Yeah. Who taught you all of these things? Did you just pick it up? Or did you I think you learn as you go along, and I think you test. You know, you test and see what what works best, and then you go and see how people speak, and you can pick up some of the of some 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 stuff from them, and we make it yours in different yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you find you like, oh my gosh, what doesn't work? And you can see as well. The, you know, the bad speakers, no offense yeah. to them, it's like, why it doesn't work? The one that usually don't work, they put too much text on their side, you know, they, they talk too much, you know, and they yeah. don't engage, they don't ask questions, they don't make you think, they don't ch- challenge your thinking. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then it's just boring. And people love stories. I always feel like, it's probably overheated, it's fine. Yeah. I've, I, I, I feel like, um, whenever I hear a TED talk, they always do like the, the drop, the mic drop moments, like yeah. you know, just you know, when they say things that that, that you're like, oh, that sounds mm. that sounds interesting. I'd have never thought of it like that, you know. Like there's always those moments that take place. But thank you for sharing those tips. That sure. I'm I'm gonna take them in as well. I know that time is of the essence, and I know you respect your time. So I don't want to go on and go on and go on. <laughs> but is there anything in particular that for anyone that's listening, especially there's a lot of black um, young professional yeah. listeners, right? And I always like to leave them with a word of something, whether it's encouragement, whether it's mm. food for thought, something. Is there anything you'd like to leave them with? And is there anything about your business that you'd like to share um, that might be useful for them to know about? Yeah. Or 
clients and so forth? I would say that no matter what you do, have clarity in terms of where you want to be and what you want to achieve. I think when you know the end goal, then you can create the path towards this. Always start with the end in mind. Oh. You know, set your vision and don't, if this vision scares you, even better. You know, it needs to scare you. It needs to be so big. I feel like, wow. Mm. And then break it down into milestones. Go backwards. I think that's super key. You know, something like oh. when you want to lose 10 kilos, don't think about 10 kilos. What is a kilo that you need to lose this month? Break oh, it down. Oh. What is the thing that you need to do every day? I think that's so important to not oh. get yourself overwhelmed, you know, by, you know, by the big vision that you have in mind, but to have that clarity oh. and, you know, have in mind all the time anything that you do. If it doesn't, if anything that you do doesn't align with that vision, say no. <laughs> say no. Oh. If it doesn't align with that, that's super key. And then, yeah, and then in terms of advice, um, you know, I would say GTA Black Women is for black women. It was, I mean, it's, it's not just for black women, it's for everyone. What we do mm. is re- it's relatable to anyone. So mm. really, it's free. You know, you can create your free membership on our website. Access is a full list of library of videos that you can access. And there's even a meditation, you know, that you can download to keep Free meditation? Mind. Yeah. Hey, and it's, and it's a... Um, download this too. The Yeah, you can find it on the first page. I'm going to share this with my community. Yeah, absolutely. Meditation, this you know, this coaching session, this master classes, you know, transitioning to tech guide. I mean, there's so many things that we really don't want to give people any um, any barrier, financial barrier to not have access to those things. And for me, that's so important. And obviously, we do events on mm. a regular basis and it's always good vibe and it gets sold out so yeah I would say set clarity have clarity in terms of vision mm. and then work every day look at again consistency is key you know that's what we, you know separate the winners from the dreamers mm, consistency I've had about six guests say that to me on the podcast as well a lot of things align, a lot of things that you've mentioned align as well with, with what you said so I really appreciate you sharing no your time your story your community and your work with me. Pleasure. Um, and I've learned a lot in this short conversation, so thank you. No pleasure. I appreciate <laughs> it. And I hope listeners have also listened and learned and taken some few things away. Don't take things for granted. Remember, be innovative, manage art, use your initiative, take ownership, and be visible, internal and external as well. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care.